Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're going to open up in Acts 27, and we're going to read Acts 27, 21 through 25. You can turn on Acts out there. Um, well, this is Luke writing, and Luke is writing a story. He's on a boat with Paul. They're prisoners. They're being sent to Rome, and they're on a boat out at sea, and Luke is telling the story of this boat ride. And so Luke, and I'm not reading this. I'm going to give you a little background on the story, and then we'll read the actual text we're going to use tonight. So Luke is um, explaining the story. They're out at sea. Um, they're prisoners, and all of a sudden, everything's fine. And then it says that a gentle wind started to pick up. And so they're out at sea, and a gentle wind comes. And that sounds nice. You know, that's, that's fine. No worries when there's a gentle wind, right? But then Luke says, surely enough, as time goes on, is his exact words, but before long, a violent wind picked up. So the gentle wind turned to a violent wind as they're on this boat. And then he says, we gave way to the wind because there was nothing else to do. We just let it drag us along wherever it wanted to take us. It's, he says that they were violently storm-tossed in this boat. There's 200 and I think 75 men in this boat and they're being tossed by the wind. Everything was fine a few hours ago. And then all of a sudden, their world comes crashing down. The gentle wind turns destructive. And all of a sudden, they're stuck at sea going, what is about to happen to my life? So we did, they did what any sailor would do. Like, I'm a sailor. Like, I know. I, I like to pretend I know things. They throw stuff overboard. And so they start throwing their cargo overboard. They start getting rid of their stuff because this ship is taking in water. Now, Again, not a sailor. I've seen Titanic like a hundred times. It's not good when a ship, right, takes in water. So the ship is taking in water. They're throwing the cargo overboard, and this is where we're picking up in our story. Acts 27, 21 through 25. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. Isn't it true that the most significantly damaging thoughts and patterns just come so gradually, right? Things, normally the most, the most treacherous things to our life and our souls, they come slowly and slowly. And this is what's happening to these men. And we gave, we, um, we gave up all hope of our being saved. Oh, our hope of being saved was gradually abandoned. When they had a long time without food, I think about 14 days, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, men, you ought to have followed my advice, classic Paul, this is hilarious, and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred his damage, this damage and loss. Yet now, he's like, shame on you, but I am Paul and I'm going to help you out. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Only the thing that carried them this far was going to go down. For this very night, an angel of God, this is still Paul talking, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, again, keep up your courage, men. And tonight I'll say, keep up your courage, women. For I believe that, but I believe God that I will it will turn out exactly as I have been told but we must run aground. 
on a certain island. Keep up your courage. I believe it will turn out exactly as I have been told, but, but we must run aground on a certain island. The title of tonight's message is Strength in the Shipwreck. Strength in the Shipwreck. Let's pray together, yes, and just invite God. God, we love you. We know that your words make the difference. We know that your touch makes the difference. We know that your presence makes the difference. I surrender myself to you, God. May my words become just a spiritual force, just breathed on by the Holy Spirit to reach every soul exactly in the place that it needs. We love you. We trust you. We honor and exalt your name in this house as the one we need and the one we look to. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, so has anyone here ever been in a storm? If you've been in Texas for more than like five seconds, you have, right? I'm from Washington, and in Washington, we have no severe weather. We have no killer animals. You can take a walk, you can take a walk in Washington and not worry that there's something that could jump out of the bushes that will literally kill you. Like, I go walking down the path by my house, and I'm like, I could die today. Like, there are things out here in the environment that could, that could take me out. I'm from Washington. There's no severe weather. There's just a light drizzle for about 10 months out of the year. That's it. But there's nothing freaky. There's nothing scary. So I was not raised in a tornado system. What you need to know about me, I consider myself pretty even emotionally. Not to toot my own heart. It's no big deal. But I would say one of my strengths is that I am pretty emotionally stable until the tornado siren goes off. <laughs> and I'm not joking, my sister who lives with me and my husband in front can witness this, I lose my mind. I turn into a completely different person. I start to think we're all going out down, we're all gonna die together. A siren goes off, the last siren that went off like a few months ago, it's because I've been working on this, because it's been a problem, and Dustin's like, the kids can sense your fear, the kids can sense your fear. And so I've been working on this problem. And so, and my sister's super cool, like nothing ever, you know, nothing ever ruffles her feathers. And so she's just adventurous like that. And so the last siren that went off, we're all sitting around the table and sure enough, zoo, 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 and I can see Dustin and Taylor like jump up and look at each other. They weren't scared for them. They were waiting to see where I was gonna run, who I was gonna call, because they know I'm gonna call my other sister who also hates tornadoes. Bless you, Ashley. Because I need someone on my team that hates tornadoes so I'm not always seeming like the idiot that's so scared of everything, but they are really, really scary. So in the course of hating the severe weather and getting used to tornadoes, I have established a slight stalker, creepy, um, fangirl, part concerned citizen relationship with Pete Delkis. No. The WFAA weatherman who, if you, if you watch anybody but Pete Delkis, shame on you. He is everything you want your weatherman to be, you know, professional, a little bit of sassy, and when he's wrong, he just like keeps moving forward, you know? It's good, good, good illustrations for life. So this is a complete side note, but my amazing husband, a couple years ago, we were in downtown Dallas, he knows how much I care about Pete, and Pete has helped me through a lot of seasons. I, you all, don't pretend like no one out there has ever Googled you know, tornado shelters and install installation 
or is like emailed Pete, like somebody else has, right? So we're downtown Dallas and we're staying down there and we're at the American Airlines Center and Dustin surprises me by getting a hold of Pete. And he takes me to the American Airlines Center and he's like, you're about to meet Pete Delkis. And I'm like, I'm more nervous about that than I was like tonight. And I was pretty nervous tonight too. I'm like, Pete, Pete, what? And Dustin's like, be cool, be cool. I got you this meeting, like you gotta be cool. So Pete is in the whole thing, doing the weather with the green screen behind him. He sees us, he waves, he comes out, he brings us into the studio. I get a picture going like, I wanted to be like, but I thought that would be weird. And so Dustin's standing there like, yep, husband of the century, that is me. Right? I know. So Pete, I'm tweeting Pete all the time because I'm so scared of storms. I hate storms. So I was like, Pete, how's it look? Any signs in Allen? I hear something like in Plano. Is it coming toward Allen? Can I go to Cabela's? Should we leave Cabela's? What? I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm not exaggerating. This is the sad part. I am not exaggerating this at all. So right after I had my, my second son, I was in the postpartum hormone craze. And so they're a storm sets in the morning, the like day after I get back from the hospital. And I've had a C-section. And so I can't walk upstairs. I'm, I'm in my bed and the sirens go off and the wind starts. And of course I do what I always do. I start to freak out, but I am extra crazy because of the hormones. And so I crawl up the stairs. <laughs> I grab Jude, who's right down there. I grabbed you because I missed him because I felt bad that my second son is now getting more attention than my first son. And so I grab him and I hold him. I'm like, and Dustin comes in. He goes, what is wrong? I'm sobbing. I'm like, we're just all going to die. We're all going to die. All that ridiculousness to say when a storm hits, right? When a storm hits, whatever is going on on the outside is never as bad as what starts happening on the inside. Everything was fine, everything turned out fine, but it triggered something in me that started to freak out, that started to react, that started to respond in crazy ways because I was just so influenced by the outside storm. My sh the ship of my soul started to leak and I started to take in water. The worst storm in the world is never the one on the outside. Ships never go down because of the water around it. Ships never go down because they're, they float on water all day long. It's only when the water gets inside then that the ship starts to sink. And isn't that true of humanity? That the winds and the waves can be going, but if we can be okay in here, we can make it. But the problem is life hits us all. It's after us all. There's no escaping life. And so every single one of us have storms that we walk through and ships that we sail on. And the, the purpose of tonight is to talk about not just the storms on the outside, but how do we deal with inside leakage? How do we, because we're going to go through storms. Paul said, or someone says, I don't, I don't know who it was, but that God is with us in trouble. He doesn't save us from trouble. And so we know that trouble is upon us. We have good seasons, we have bad seasons. We have good times and we have bad times. We as women have to learn that, hey, it's crazy out there, it's chaotic out there. My ship is annoying sometimes. My ship is mean sometimes. My ship is frustrating and stressful sometimes, but I've got to stay okay inside. I cannot take water inside. Outside storms often manifest in different areas of fear, stress, discouragement, unbelief, 
oftentimes questions. Have you ever wondered why? Why? If you've lived long enough, <laughs> you've asked a question or two. If you're honest with yourself about how you are in this life and what you think about God and where he's taking you and why did these things happen. And I always plan for my life to go this way and look at me now. These are normal life things that we're set, faced with sometimes as we just travel the journey of life. Paul has a verse in 2 Corinthians and he says that when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears on the inside. And that is life oftentimes, conflicts out here and then you got stuff in here. And so uh, tonight, I just want to address surviving, getting strength, getting help in the storm because we know the storms are there. That's non-negotiable. That's non but we can make it as women, and especially as women of God, if we learn how to not take in water. Um, if you live life long enough, we, start to, we all start to ask questions. My son Jude and I were on a walk the other day, and he was in the stroller, and like a wonderful mother, I didn't buckle him in, because I'm like, we're not going far. And so we're walking down the road, and he's in the stroller, and we're, we go by a puddle. And then I remember I left something at home, so I kind of take a hard left, I flip around. Jude goes rolling out of the stroller into a puddle. Now Jude does not like puddles. <laughs> or getting dirty, or anything having to do with being any mess, messed up in any way. Um, yesterday, he was checking out his outfit. He says, can daddy do my hair? Because you don't do my hair right. Okay, so Jude does not, the worst person in the world to fall in a puddle is Jude. So he falls in the puddle, ah, ah, and then, are there ants? Are there ants? Because ants are like the devil in our house. And so we, well, no, there's no ants, there's no outs. And, he, and it was so interesting what he says, because he's sitting there crying, and he goes, who put that puddle there? <laughs> and I told him the rain did it. And then he goes, why would the rain do that? <laughs> because an outside circumstance was making him question the motives of the rain. And this is so often what we do with God. Outside circumstances, ships going down, life isn't like we wanted it. And all of a sudden we start to question the motives of the one who put us here in the first place. Just like a toddler, humanity and humans and women, we all do the same exact thing if we're honest with ourselves. David said, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We don't have to ignore the the residue of pain. We don't have to push down the discouragement of a life that didn't turn out like we wanted. David, all the time, I thought your hand was with me. Where did you go? I am in trouble. You said that you were supposed to be with me in trouble. Where are you? David knew a secret that we have to get in on, and that is an authentic relationship and ability to question and lean on and wonder why why because pretending like things aren't happening does nobody any favors we'd all just look like crazy christians right to be able to know like hey i'm in a thing <laughs> this is tough someone's trying to kill me what's going on god where are you what's happening in my life why the conflicts why the delays the battles and the disappointments sicknesses husbands that won't change kids who won't get their acts together daughters that won't talk to you anymore why essentially what we're asking is why do we have to run aground 
Why do we have to run aground? Paul says, you'll get there, but first we've got to run aground. And that's not because God causes us to run aground. That's because life happens and we naturally run aground. Sometimes because we put our own self in the ship with a bad choice. And other times like Paul, we got thrown on the ship without any desire of our own. And you know what? God doesn't care which one it is. He is an ever-present help in trouble. So whether you feel like you can't even accept this because you got yourself into trouble, that's yourself talking to you, that's your past talking to you, that's your guilt talking to you, God is an ever-present help in trouble. Um, we sometimes buy into a belief system that God, if God was there, we, there would be no storm. We feel like we're less, we're not loved as much, we don't, aren't cared for as much because so-and-so has everything, which they don't, they never do, they never do, but we think somebody else has it better and we're this. Peter, when, he's, when they're in another storm, storm theme tonight, Peter is in his boat with Jesus and Jesus is asleep and Peter goes to Jesus and he says, carest thou not? Like, <laughs> Peter, to Jesus' face is calling him out. <laughs> Peter's like, don't you care about me? It's okay to wonder, do you care, God? Where are you, God? This isn't like I thought it would be, God. Carest thou not? God um, says through Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, 2, it's a great passage. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Now, this is a promise from God, but this is what's interesting. We never promise the obvious, right? I didn't get up here and was like, guys, I'm a woman, I swear. <laughs> because hopefully it's obvious, <laughs> you know? Like, I wasn't up here, and I'm like, I promise, I promise. The only time we promise something, right, is when we know someone else is going to doubt it. So as God pins these words through the prophet Isaiah. He's saying them because he knows sometimes you're going to feel like he's not there. He knows that sometimes you're going to feel like the fire is going to burn you alive. He knows sometimes, David says, all your waves and your breakers are passing over me. This is what God knows. He knows at times that we would feel assaulted on every side and alone around every bend. And that's why he says, hey, hey, no, 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 remember, I promised something, but that doesn't mean that at times we won't have to run aground. So Paul says we must run aground to a certain island. What Paul means by that is we will make it, but it's going to be hard. What's interesting is that Jesus calmed storms before this one. It's interesting. Jesus calmed other people's storms. He calmed a couple of them in the Bible, walked on water, calmed storms, all of a sudden, Paul's in one. Paul knew those stories. He was good friends with Peter. Well, they were frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> Paul and Peter, they knew each other. Paul knew that Jesus calmed storms. If I were Paul, I'd be like, wait, wait, why not mine? Why not mine? Like, you, you call him Peter's? Like, he's no better than me. <laughs> like, you call him Peter's? Like, why not my storm? What I want to talk to you tonight about, and this is kind of the theme of the night, is about the storms that don't get calmed and the strength it takes to see ourselves through a shipwreck. Because this is, what, this is what's important to the Christian life. Our entire faith is faith, right? We always, there is no getting around faith. We always have to have faith for miracles, but we always have to have strength for shipwrecks. 
And if we can partner those two together, we're always ready to believe for the next thing. We're always ready to believe for the next breakthrough. We're always ready to believe for the next healing. But it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. But even if he doesn't come, even if I have to run aground, I've got something inside of me that will carry me through. Faith for miracles and strength for shipwrecks. So in closing, when our ship is running aground, how do we not take water in? Because this is what this is really about tonight. Not convincing you that I don't have to stand up here and convince you there are storms. Like I know that you know that. And I look through this room and I see some of you that I know so well and have been through such storms. And then others of you, I don't know at all, but I know and I sense that you've seen such storms. And tonight, I just want to bring, give a charge to the women in this room that every single person in every single seat walks out of here feeling like I have strength for wherever life takes me. I have strength for wherever God is going to take me. We respond to shipwrecks differently inside. We go, to not, we go into denial. We blame other people for them. We distance ourselves from God and people. We get bitter. That would be my tendency probably sometimes. We get scared. We rage. We get offended. That's a huge one. We get mad just at everybody, at life, at the world. You know, when Judas betrayed, betrayed Jesus, this is interesting. When Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus called him friend. And I heard somebody say one time, Jesus loved all the disciples, but Judas was the only one he needed because he had to go. He had to be sold for silver, according to the prophetic word. And he had to have a betrayer from within his ranks. And so when, Jesus, when Peter wanted to help Jesus, he called him Satan. <laughs> and when Judas betrayed him, he called him friend. Because some of us have to go through things. Some of us have to be ready for the next thing. And we're never going to get ready for the next thing if we don't have, if we're not able to let go of offense, fear, guilt, rage, denial, and blame on this level. Jesus so easily kissed him and left. Um, tell, oh, so we have them back on the storm and, and this is, this is the end of the story. They're, they're in the storm and Paul gets up and he says, hey, there's a few things we need to do. You got to eat. We got to throw some more stuff. We got to throw the rest of the food over. And then we got to swim to shore because the ship had run aground and it was breaking in pieces. The Bible, Luke is so detailed. He describes it in depth. This rudder went here and the mast went here and the ship's breaking apart. And Paul says, we've got to eat. We've got to throw the rest overboard and we've got to get in the water and we've got to swim to dry land. So I want to give you three things in closing to help you not take water in to help your soul survive shipwrecks, to be able to face the next storm, to look back on the storms that have happened and say, oh, oh, they, they ended up serving me well. They serve me. The verse, you're more than a conqueror, actually means that not only what's come against you will, that you have like authority over it and you're better from it, but that it serves you. That's life with God. Storms serve us in a life with God. Shipwrecks end up serving us in a life with God. But the problem is a lot of us don't have the perseverance to see it through. Number one, this is what they did. Throw your baggage. Throw your baggage. Before shipwrecks, we all maintain illusions of control. Isn't that the, isn't that the truth? We all maintain illusions of control before shipwrecks. And throwing their baggage, throwing the stuff they didn't need anymore, was their last attempt at really saving themselves. It was the last thing they could do to really try and stay 
alive. When things got bad enough, they let go of some things that they thought they needed before. The Bible says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and run. Throw off and run. Throw off and run. This is life of faith. We throw off baggage. We throw off things that have held us down. We throw off things that we could never let go of. We throw off pain we thought we could never survive without. We throw off mentalities and mindsets and things that have held us down so long. And we say, I'm breaking up with you. I cannot go to shore. I cannot find dry land with you. God loves us enough to show us what we really need to stand. It's not our husbands, and I, I adore my husband. It's not him. It's not our kids. It's not our mom. I had the best mom in the world. It's not my mom. It's not my sisters, my best friends. It's not them. It's not my stuff. It's not my house. It's not my frequent flyer number, which I'm just getting miles, and it's so, like, I'm just addicted to it. It's not that. <laughs> it's not the good things in life. It's not the families. It's not the addictions. It's, it's just one thing. And God loves us enough to allow there to be a stripping so that we can see who we really are and what we really, really need to stand. There are some things we don't need as much as we think that we need them. Some things we think we'll never live without. Remember that boyfriend in freshman year? <laughs> I will never love again. Yes, we do. <laughs> Yes, we do. There are some things that we think so desperately that we need that we really don't. And God will teach us in storms and in shipwrecks what we really need to stand. Um, number two. Number one was throw your baggage. Number two is what they did. Build your strength. Build your strength. This is what they did in the boat. Paul took the bread and he said, you guys are so tired You've been so anxious. You've got to eat. And these are Paul's exact words. You've got to do what you can only do now to survive. And that's eat something. Or like I'll say it, strengthen ourselves. As women, we have got to learn how to strengthen ourselves, build our own strength. When things went bad, Paul didn't lecture them at the end. He did in the beginning, not at the end. He wasn't lecturing him. He wasn't telling him how bad they were to capture him and be taking him to Rome. He wasn't talking about, you know, his, his family back home or as he said, I'm going to tell you what to do to survive. And this is what you got to do. And we all have some things that we need to do to survive this life. And um, Psalm 121, David says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help, or the other version is strength, come from? It comes from the Lord. What do I need to survive? I need strength inside. I need to know the one who is deeper than the seas trying to drown me. Corey Tinboom, who had been through a concentration camp, a very horrible, tragic, traumatic um, mid-age life, mid life before she was able to get out. And she says that there is no darkness that God is not dark, deep. There is no deep of a darkness that God is not deeper still. Any darkness, any storm, any shipwreck, any, any um, coming against any enemy, there is nothing so deep and so dark that God is not deeper still, that he cannot come like the anchor in the wind and bear us up again and say, oh, 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 you didn't need all of that and you don't need anything else. 
except to know how to build your strength in me. In me. It's not about trying harder and thinking better thoughts and telling yourself in the mirror, I'm a strong woman. I can do it. I'm a strong woman. And you start treating men like trash. This is not what I'm talking about. This is, (laughs) what this is, is being able to say, I strengthen myself in God. I lift up my eyes. I climb my mountain. Where does my help come from? My strength comes from the Lord. David, there's a great verse where it says that David had everything taken from him. He had his wife and his kids taken. His own people are about to stone him. Talk about haters galore. Like if there have been blogs, they would have all been blogging about David at this point. He's like dying inside. He's lost everything. He's lost everything at this point in his life. And there's an incredible verse and all it says is, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's all he did. He didn't text his mom or, you know, complain about the people to like the one best friend he had. He didn't go, you know, to sushi night. I'm really begging on sushi night. I love sushi. Love it. But David knew where to go in a shipwreck. He knew where to go in a shipwreck. He knew where to go in a shipwreck. And he knew this incredible secret of how to build his strength and to encourage himself in the Lord. There have been so many times in my life, and I know I've shared them here before, where I had just felt like in the most dramatic way possible that my soul was dying and (laughs) I would never like see the light of day again. You know, like it was just, there have been moments in my life where I have felt so hopeless, so betrayed, so wounded, so hurt, so upset with myself, so upset with somebody else, so discouraged, so down. I have felt these things so many times. And one of the most incredible spiritual things that Pastor D has taught me in my 10 years with him is that you don't need a message. You don't need Pastor Ben. You don't need friends. You don't need family. Those are all cherries on top of a cake. What I need is to be able to get with Jesus. Go for a drive with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Put on some worship music and remember that I'm not going down with this ship. Now, that doesn't mean that my circumstances have always gotten better. There are people I love that still hate me. There are prayers I've prayed that still haven't been answered. All that, it doesn't mean that the circumstances got better and all of a sudden I'm like floating on the clouds again. No, all it means is that I knew how to get in my closet, lay on my floor, put my iPhone speaker to my ear, listen to Jason Upton sing over me and feel the weight and the burden of life just slowly start to lift as I remember that I have a help. I have an ever-present help in every time of trouble, not to always save me from trouble. Sometimes we get saved from trouble, but sometimes we have to walk through trouble. But thank God that we as women have an ever-present help because life is not easy for women. History has not been kind to women. There are things that we face and pressures we feel that nobody will ever know. And that doesn't matter if you're a wife or a mom or you're in college or you're a young person or if you're a woman, the Bible says that the Satan hates women more than anybody else. Genesis 3. Satan hates women 
why is there a target on women? Why, and you can, I mean, that's, there's a lot to that, but we carry something. Women carry something. And we have been so on, we have been so slaughtered, our souls have been so assailed, and they've been so assaulted by the world to try and get us to just roll over and just let life pass us by and go, I hope I just make it to heaven. I don't want to be a soul saved and a life lost. I want a good life. I want an abundant life. I know there's going to be shipwrecks. I know there's going to be storms. That's okay. I have an ever-present help in trouble. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I had to go to a place in my life and in my own mental battles, and my, a lot of my struggles have been in my own mind, things that I question, things that I wonder, friends who get sick, people who die, pains that I didn't ever want to feel, people I love suffering. There's been so many times where I have battled things out in my mind with God and with my world and with my life, and I had to learn that at some point I have to be okay that what I want doesn't always, isn't always going to align, and is, is that okay? Can I walk with God? Pretty much in toddler term, if you don't get your way, are you still in? <laughs> and I had to go to a point with God, and this is just real faith. If I don't get my way, if I lose it all, if things go bad for me, am I still in? You betcha I'm in. Because I've been through enough shipwrecks now to know that there is dry land somewhere. It's not always when we want it to be. It doesn't always come how we want it to come. But there's always dry land somewhere waiting for me and God. And that doesn't mean that people change all the time. And that doesn't mean that circumstances get better. It means that there's a place in God I can go. And I can get strong inside. And I can remember, oh, that's right. My God is bigger than all of this. And he loves me more than all of this. And he is with me and for me. The last one, number three, is survive your swim. The ones who could swim, swam. And it said that the ones who couldn't swim had to float in on the broken pieces of the ship. The ones who could swim, swam, but the ones who couldn't swim, they had to take the thing that had broken, the thing that had freaked them out, the thing they used to trust in that's now nothing. Their life is in shambles. Have you ever wondered, how did I get here? And all you have are all of these broken pieces. This is the men on this ship. And all of a sudden, they get on these floaters and these things of I don't what are on ships. I don't know. <laughs> they get on the broken pieces and they start to float in to dry land. The thing that broke them, the thing that betrayed their trust, the thing they thought would get them there, the thing that they were so sure was going to work and it didn't anymore. When they just hopped on the pieces and sailed on in, they all <laughs> got there. In Acts 27 at the end, 27, 43 through 44, it says Paul ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were, getting, were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. So the ground, the ground that was once so fixed beneath them and now gone, and they're swimming to a shore that they couldn't see because that's what storms do, right? They block our vision. They make us, like I said, feel like I'm never going to see the light of day again. That's the point of a storm is to get inside of me and make me think it'll never get better. And so they're swimming to a shore that they can't even see. And all of a sudden, as I'm reading this scripture, I'm seeing, because again, I have toddlers. All I hear is Dory, just keep swimming. Is that Dory? 
just, you know, Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just, my son is loving that. <laughs> to sink in the, in the, I grew up in water, and to sink, you tuck in. To sink, you ball up. To sink, you take your eyes and you put them here. To sink, you ignore, you try and just, get, just, just protect, self-preservation. Just hole up, get in that fetal possession, position, and just, that's how we sink. But there's an amazing verse in the Bible that says, but we fix our eyes on Jesus. Or another way to put it is, we lift our chin. We lift our head. God is the, the, the one who puts us on solid ground, and he's the one who lifts our head. We fix our eyes on Jesus, and we swim. We do not give up. We keep moving. That doesn't mean we don't cry our eyes out some nights. That doesn't mean that sometimes we don't have to talk to someone. That doesn't mean that we don't need help. All that means is that I will survive this shipwreck. I do have strength. I will not give up because in this house, we know that if we don't quit, we always, always win. There are some things that, there are some things we will never discover about ourselves and God or the world on dry land. My husband and I were like madly in love when we got married. I wouldn't trade the, the depth of our relationship now for any of those 27-year-old silly infatuations. And do you want to know why? It's because we've weathered storms together. We've cried. We have been through pain. We have walked through shipwrecks, many of them. We have felt such intense things. So what do I have now? A relationship that is so valuable because I learned things in the shipwrecks that I could not have learned as a 27-year-old infatuated little girl going, hey, I want to marry him. Zero percent body fat. I want to marry him. Like, <laughs> I couldn't learn. There are some things only trials and trouble teach us. There are some, James says that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. There are some testings, some trials, and some troubles that will teach us things that we have to learn. If we are going to be women who carry a call and an anointing and an impact for our world, if we just want to go home and hole up and watch Netflix and chill all night, that is totally fine. But for those of us who want to, like, live... <laughs> For those of us who want to have an impact, this is what we have to do. Can you all stand with me tonight? And we're going to close. <clears throat> There's a great verse, and I'm sure many of you women have heard, had this flung at you. Pro Proverbs, 20, 30, Proverbs 31. Who can find a virtuous woman? Who can, who can find a virtuous woman? And then it goes on to talk about how amazing she is. And I always thought about the virtuous woman like by her sewing machine, never talking, you know, like just be really quiet and humble and shy and very, very quiet. What virtuous actually means is a person of force, of power, of strength, in the original language of strength. And another way that it is phrased is a great force of power born out of suffering. A virtuous woman who can find. Who can find a woman who now has power because you've suffered a little? Who can find a woman who's been through some shipwrecks and now you've got strength because you've been through it? A virtuous woman who can find. Charles Spurgeon 
says that in one of his sermons, he said, I kissed the waves that threw me upon the rock of ages. I kissed the waves that threw me upon the rock of ages. Shipwrecks will come. Storms will come. Women, we know things are against us. We know there are troubles and trials and testings we'll face. But at some point, when are we committed to loving and kissing the waves that throw us upon God, the rock beneath our feet, and the lifter of our heads? He is in this place tonight. I'm facing my own shipwrecks. I know there are so many in this place facing yours. And I've got good news for you. He's here. And he loves women. He loves, loves women. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.